Episode 7, How to Grow Plants. Plants for Life podcast is straight conversation about plant-based whole foods, also known as ITEL lifestyles for health and wellness with a special focus on cannabis. Felicia Dawson, MD, cannabis advocate, educator, dual board certified physician, obstetrics, gynecology, and integrative medicine. Oski Shivanya, fourth generation Jamaican herbalist, plant-based nutritionist, indoor cannabis cultivator, and veteran cannabis pioneer. And Marilyn Pierce, RN, author, speaker, and cannabis advocate. Join us as we discuss nutritional plant-based lifestyles, including cannabis. I love talking to you about growing your own food because you really do that. You really do go out into your garden when you're making anything and you find what's out there that you can add to what you're cooking or what you're juicing or what you're making a smoothie out of. And I really appreciate that. But how do you get started? Like, how do you, let's say I have a handful of seeds. What should I do with them? Starting from a seed is kind of like a second level. It's, it's, it's beginner level, I suppose, but it, it's the second level of beginner level. There are easier ways to start out growing your own your own uh, plants, and that would be like you know food scrap, um, food scrap reviving. Get your food scraps and make them pop roots and get a plant from that. What if, what are or, the easiest ones to do that with? Onions do that. Um, any type of uh, vegetable that has a little butt on the bottom, cabbage, like celery, cabbage, celery, cabbage, all those, okay. all those. Um, you can pop toothpicks in them and set them above a, a glass and put some water in that glass and let the, the, the base touch the water and roots will eventually start to grow and to the point where you'll have a, a, a plant on your windowsill that you can pick from. You don't even have to put it in the garden. You can just put it in a, in a sizable certain plants. Keep putting a sizable thing of water, continue changing the water and you'll have a, a plant in your windowsill that you can pick from. Oh, and so like I like if I did that with my celery that I get at the store, would that work? And then I can put celery in my my salads and my smoothies and stuff. Right. Well, you may you may since it's on the windowsill and not growing to its full of extent, you may just get the leaves. So what I would more recommend for the stuff on the windowsill like that would probably be stuff like onions and whatnot. Those are uh, stuff that has um things that have our, our herbs and seasonings. I have a lot of taste. You can use a little bit of it and get a lot of flavor out of it. But you can also get a couple raw um, microgreens off of stuff as well. And when it comes to spring season, you can put it in some decent soil or a pot or whatever and actually get a, a nice plant out of it. So that would be a, a, an easier way to start aside from seed. Got it. But once you get it started on the windowsill and it gets warm outside, then what do you do? Well, you mean springtime? Mm-hmm. You can pop it in the garden. It, it, it you can put it outside into a um, or you can put it outside into into a little space where you have soil, if you have decent soil. That's a key thing. Uh, plant will only grow as good as the soil you have there. If you have some rock hard ground going on, some clay like soil, you can't just put the plant in there. It, it, the the roots won't have anywhere to go and breathe, and it won't thrive. So it, it, your best bet, if you don't have any, if you don't know if you have good enough soil, if you don't know. If you have a, a sufficient lighting in that area, it's not covered by shade trees and whatnot, then your best bet would probably just put it into a pot. It's a decent-sized pot, you know, 10-gallon or so, and fill it up with some decent potting soil and pop it in there. You could have a potted plant that you can bring in indoors in the cold times as well. That's nice because then you can have it year-round. Right, right. 
Okay, so let's say I decided I wanted to have a small garden. What would I do to make the soil right? You would have to make the soil right. You'd have to start. See, soil building. Soil is a, is a building process. So it wouldn't just be you go out there and make the soil right instantly. If you don't have decent soil, then you're going to have to get soil to put there until you do. You know, it's not just going to be able to make soil instantly because soil is something that's built. Uh, soil is a um is actually a living web of microorganisms that function in, in conjunction with the plant, and, and it doesn't. It's, it's not alive yet. But you need a good a good soil to be able to reach that that state. Otherwise, it will just be a, a um, either too dense or no nutrients. It's got to have nutrients in it. It's got to have light and aerated enough for roots to go. And it can't be too light and aerated so that there's no there's the um it isn't it can't be too dense and it can't be too loose. It's got to be a mixture of loose and dense and full of nutrients so that the um the, the roots can travel for one, the plants are only going to be as functional as your root system. If the wow. root system is locked and, and can't go anywhere, uh, the, the top of the plant will show that. If you don't have a sufficient, uh, you don't know about your soil or haven't tested your soil out, out, outside of your yard and, and don't know what it is, then you're going to want to start with something potted or build a raised bed, which is going to take a, a, a little bit of you know, elbow grease. Not that much, but a little bit. So with a raised bed, then what you're saying is that I can add soil to a small raised bed garden and, right. and I can fill it with all the nutrients and make sure that it's that it's aerated, light and aerated and has the, the right, right. right consistency for the roots to grow. Right. Okay. You can get you can make a if someone wants to start out small. They can get they can get some um, untreated wood, uh, two by 10 planks, um, get one about uh, two, about four feet and two, about, you know, three feet. And start a little small bed just like that. You know, it doesn't have to be something huge and, 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 and hard to manage. You know, a little two by four just to start out a little, a little box and fill it up with some good soil and somewhere to put your plants in to get their root systems going and just to get people adjusted to growing. Another thing that, that's, that, that makes it easier is checking your local organic nurseries and um, nonprofits that are in your area. The actual easiest way to get started growing your own plants is to find a nursery and get seedlings. Because you get those seedlings and you, you can pretty much prep your little garden, get your get your um your box together and fill it with soil and have it all ready. And then just go to the nursery and grab your seedlings and pop them right in there. I think that I never realized how much planning goes into a garden. Just because you plant it in the spring doesn't mean you're not thinking about it all the way back in the fall and through the winter right. for what you're going to do to prepare it. Right. I want to mention one thing that you said that was interesting that I picked up, untreated wood. Treated wood has poison in it, right? So that chemicals. it doesn't break down. It has chemicals like arsenic. Right. So you want to make sure that the, the wood that you make your raised bed with is untreated. Right, absolutely. Untreated wood with no chemicals in them. Now, they'll eventually, you know, they won't last as long as like that. They'll deteriorate over years and whatnot, but it's not that big of a deal. By then, our, we're getting experienced and we're making a bigger garden by then. Right. What would you recommend if someone... Is that the point where they want to make a larger garden? What should they be thinking about? A larger garden. Well, for one, they need to look at their sun. Their, how much sun is, how much light is, is that area getting? Because the key to your, your, your plants growing, well, most plants, you know, the, your, 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 sun, your spring varieties and whatnot, they, they need sufficient amount of sun. 
your garden space is pretty much dependent upon, or the majority of your garden space depending on how, how much sun that area gets per day. So if you have a lot of shady areas in your yard and whatnot, you're going to have to think about what, what the, there are plants that thrive better in shady areas. Um, unfortunately, lots of the fruiting plants like sunshine, you know, so those are the ones that are going to be giving you lots of food. But there are plants that you can plant in shade areas that will get there due. Like a lot of, some of the herbs like shade areas, the oreganos, the, um, the rosemaries, you know, the, the lemon, lemon balm can thrive right under some shade. So there are a lot of good herbs. So if you have shady areas, it, another thing about, about gardening and planting is knowing what plants do what, where, and how. Like you kind of got to also know what your plants like and don't like. There are certain plants that like it to be chilly. That's so, and, and, and like you said earlier, seedlings gives you a little bit more leeway of when to plant because you, you got to get your seeds in the ground. If you're playing outdoors in a garden, you got to get your seeds in the ground or your seeds in the ground by a certain time um, or they won't flourish. So nurseries and whatnot help you grab seedlings and just have your garden ready from before season's ready and just go ahead and pop your things in there on time and get going as opposed to waiting for your seeds to pop and getting them in there in the, in the soil at the right time of year because it's going to take a little bit of time to dial in what your environment's doing and work with it. I love that because it takes planning. But what I hear you saying is that your garden needs to have a lot of sunlight if you're going to produce fruity plants like tomatoes and okra and all of the ones that we can bring in the house and make meals from. But if you have shade or smaller plants, you can plant the herbs that will flavor and season our foods that we're cooking and they'll do better in the in the shady areas and in the smaller areas. The smaller right. So, I mean, even um, also the uh, like the, bris the Brasilius plants, those those leafies and stuff, they also like shade areas as well. What, I, I have a question before we go on to the, the elements of growing light soil and water. I want to talk about community gardens. That would be a bigger grow. How does a community garden work? I mean, I've seen so many of them, but I don't know exactly how to get involved or what my part of it would be or what I get out of it. How do, how do community gardens work? Community garden is, I grew up with my grandfather just putting gardens in everybody's backyards and, and working on them. That's not the free. kind of community garden I was talking about. But right, that's the cool kind. <laughs> that that it would be cool to have a, a a old a old farmer come through and just tend your garden for free because he loves it so much and just give you all your food. But that's not the way it goes. A community garden is a a garden operation in which the land I think is owned either by an individual or it might be on the county's land and some nonprofit type of stuff going on or every, people from that community who live in a certain, I guess, zip code or, or, or radius of that part can come in and plant their own little uh, plot inside of that area. They can, they can get a box, uh, a box there and they can plant their stuff there and come back and reap it. People can check the community gardens around the area and see if they're any close to them. They can use, um, you know, if they have, if they don't have, if they live in, in apartment, you know, areas or places that they don't have access to a, to garden, uh, to, to area, to space, to garden. I wanted to talk about the three elements of growing, which I call light, soil, and water. Can you give us an overview? We've sort of talked about the light and the soil a little bit, but how do they all work together? And, and what would you think is most important, or is there one that's most important? Light, soil, and water, you said now, right? Well, uh, that's what I thought. Well, yeah, definitely. Light, soil, and water, and, and that's pretty much the three elements, if, if you can tap those in. Really, if you're 
soil, once you've built a soil web, which is pretty much essentially the um the micro the, the, the microbial life network that builds up after a couple after a while of, of, of stuff breaking down and becoming a nutrient dense a lot, lot living soil environment. After that, you pretty much um, are just feeding depending on what the plant wants. You don't you don't have to do much feeding. You do foliar. The the soil starts to defend the plant against pests and also feed the plant as well. So you just kind of need good water after that. And um, you know, there's there's other other ways to make microbial fertilizers and whatnot from the same fast growing weeds and whatnot and, and the same plants that you are growing. You can actually make fertilizers for the plants from that. There's no need to actually once you get a, a proper soil web going and it's in a properly lit area and you have a, a proper watering system going on, plants will thrive. Now, I'm not saying that it's not going to be work because, I mean, it takes a – now, a soil network is not going to happen in a year or maybe even two. It takes a while for, for this to get developed. And until that happens, you're going to be fighting pests. And you're going to be – you know, it's, it's going to be it's, – it's, I went through hell out here in Georgia with the environment trying to um, get the plants to, to, to be pest free and everything before I, cause I, I, I didn't, I watched my grandfather grow, but I didn't necessarily know what was going on. And it's also in Miami where it's just so forgiving. The Caribbean is just everything you put in the ground just grows out here is a, it's a, it's a bit different. You know, the seasons change and then there are pests out here that I just don't know about. I, my professional growing is cannabis indoors. So we control the pests, you know what I'm saying? We don't have pests coming from all out of the out of who knows where. And I had to research how to get rid of these guys and how to get rid of them. There's ways to build um pesticides and whatnot from your own from from the natural natural and organic ways. Like if for example, if a plant doesn't get attacked by pests and you see that in your yard, you see a plant just just doesn't get messed with by pets by pests. You want to plant that plant next to your plants that do, or you want to take that plant and extract some of its pest pesticides to spray on your other plants. Tomatoes, you look at your tomato plants and see that these guys ain't getting no type of pests on them because tomatoes have a natural pesticide inside the leaves. You can take those tomato plants and soak them and get out that 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 pesticide from those tomato leaves and spray it on your other plants that are having problems. Same thing with like lemon balm. Um, lemon balm is a, is is you you'll watch the the, the terpenes and and smells of lemon oil just repel the crap out of out of pests. It's got that it's I think it's the the, the base of that citronella citronella smell. That, that's fascinating, actually. I never would have thought of that. Is using the observing the plants that are not being bothered by pests, and then creating sort of like an extract that you'd spray on the other plants in order right. to keep them from getting bothered by pests or plant your other plants near that plant right. because that plant will protect it. Right. It I have, um, I, I plant lemon balm on the side and mind you, lemon balm is very prolific. So you got to be careful. It, you can't let it go into your bed, but I plant them on the sides of the beds, right? Or it, it, when it, I plant them on the sides of the beds and where you can even see where the plant, where the lemon balm is, the plants are untouched and where it's not, the plants get messed with. Sir. I have beds and, I, and they're around the beds. I have like a little herb garden beside the beds. Oh. And every year the lemon balm pops up other places. Sometimes it even pops up 
inside bucketed pots with soil, like like compost, like it's like way over there. And I have no idea how I got there. But if it's in a place where I don't want it, like it, it pops up in a bed, I'm gonna take it out of that bed, unless it's in a place in the bed where it's not affecting anything or anybody, and it's just like off in the corner. And I'll just leave it and 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 um plant one gonna plant next to it. But if it's dead off in the middle and i haven't had this problem yet i haven't had it jump into one of the beds inside of it properly i've had it jump close in the corner but nothing where i i it's like offending the plant to the point where i gotta take out the bed you gotta keep an eye on that lemon balm right and i keep <laughs> herbs in my in my i i do companion planting so there are herbs in my beds that, that there are, are perennial herbs inside my garden beds like there's oregano in my garden beds that just come back every year and I plant in between them you know, because those are. Oregano is, is not liked by pests. Right. Another one. It repels pests. Nice. Right. Most oh, of I these herbs it. that have these, these, these high terpene profiles are pest repellent. I just believe, I, I mean, I'm not sure, but I just think pests are sensitive to those high, high amount of uh, phytochemicals. You know what I'm saying? They're just very strong and, the way the environment is made, those herbs are for our, our for our healing, and they're so strong and powerful that the bugs don't even must mess with them like that, and we that we have access to them. That that it it must be true. I I love it because it's the strong ones you're talking about, the lemon balm and the oregano and rosemary, and those are the ones that just have that the, those right. pungent terpenes that are even kind of strong for us. So yep. bugs don't mess with them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go too far into it because we're doing really well so far, but can you give us just a little bit about hydroponic growing and when you would do it and a quick way to get started? Hmm. A quick way to get started with hydroponic growing is nowadays they have the entire setup that you can get uh, pretty much online. You can buy a, a tent and um, a light setup and everything that you can pretty much get to, to, to get going. And once back in our day, you guys have to build it out in your house. You know, <laughs> maybe go to Home Depot to get a hydroponic garden in your house. That's where you go, Home Depot. What kind of space do you need? <laughs> what kind of space do you need to do that, though? Oh, not much. Um, a small closet space. They have they have um little hydroponic grow tents about the size of a dresser. They have they have them very small. They have stuff that you can. They have little things that you can probably put on your countertop. Man, they have so much technology nowadays. To allow people to do little small grows, they have little hydroponic growing towers mm-hmm. that I've seen them set up. In um, those are kind of expensive though. In the school I was working with, little towers that have the whole—it's uh, actually aeroponics. That's aeroponics, where the water's on the bottom and it's shooting the the, the mist up through the little tower, and the plants or roots are fed by that. If you don't, I can tell people the old school way of um doing a hydroponic setup. You can get a little, a little plastic tote, one of those little uh, totes from Walmart, and you can get some PVC pipe and carve what is called that. You can make a little NFT, a nutrient film technique, uh, with, with parts from with parts from from Walmart and Home Depot. You know, probably numbered into maybe about fifty to one hundred bucks. And then, of course, you're gonna need a light. If not, if you don't get a light, you can use it by the windows, by the windowsill. But you can make a little setup, a little hydroponic setup to put inside your house uh, for a hundred bucks, man, with um, a nutrient film technique, a little piece of PVC, about three feet long, about two of those, uh, about six inches wide, um, 
a little storage bin totes, mm-hmm. right? One of those, the covered ones. One of those and um, a little a little pump. One of those little uh, pond pumps that are right there. And Why do you need the pond pump? The pond pump is going to circulate the water from the, from the reservoir. Because what you're going to do is you're going to put water. You're going to put your water and food inside, that, inside that, that, that tub. On top of the tub, you're going to rest that PVC at an angle. And angles and have a hole inside that PVC so that the plant can go inside that and little, the little plant and the roots, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this PVC is going to be at an angle with the hose from the pump connected to the top of it so that the water goes from the bottom through, feeds it to the PVC through the roots. And then because it's at an angle, the water will flow right back down into the reservoir. So the nutrients just go past it and the and right around. And they, oh, right. So nice. when you're feeding, you just turn the pump on, click. And it feeds you do that for a little cycle, whatever. Turn it off and keep going. You know, and it just sits there and does its thing. Tell us about growing in the house, real quick. We'll, and then we'll wrap it up. What about lighting? What's the best? What's the best light for growing? Sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> every 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 grow light that there is is trying to mimic sunlight. Nothing has the amount of spectrums that the sunlight has. So everything is trying to mimic a sunlight spectrum. Grow lights used to be high pressure sodium and metal highlight. And those were the, the, the go-to grow lights that you would use that had the, the, the maximum amount of spectrums, but they're super hot. And they're still, they're still great grow lights and whatnot, but they're super hot. And once you use those, you have to account for the amount of heat they give off. And um, you may have to add uh, things to cool your, your area down as well, depending upon the strength of the light. And it just, it just makes indoor growing more complex. And you, you might need more tools because of it. You're gonna have to control the heat, the heat. You can't have it a certain, as close to the plants, like it has to be a certain distance from it. So, but now they have LED lights. They have these LED lights where, you, where they don't emit at, uh, that much heat at all, almost no heat. And they have some decent ones that can give you a pretty good spectrum. And if you're not growing cannabis, you don't necessarily need the top LED light. If you're growing cannabis, you need the best of the best because you want it to produce to the best visibility because every single trichome counts when it's when you're talking about that. But if you're just growing uh, plants and foods, like, you know, your regular, you don't, you just need a, grow, a decent grow light. You don't need like the top of the line uh, grow light for that. You can get a decent one and, and set it up in your closet if you want to, you have a little, if you have a walk-in closet, oh God bless you, you have a, you have enough space for a, a baby <laughs> garden. You can put one in your, you can put a couple of LEDs on top of your your regular closet, not even a walk-in, and just put some things on the bottom, put some plants on the bottom. We don't need clothes; we need food to eat, so that we can right. be independent. Put the clothes under your bed. That's right. Put the clothes <laughs> under your bed. <laughs> the best thing that I heard you tell me once, and I have done this since, is just put a pot on a windowsill. Grow something. Right. right, right. And also, you know, um, there are plants that are forgiving. You know, start, start with forgiving, prolific herbs. Like, you don't have to start with trying to, trying to get food. Start with herbs. Herbs are power, powerful, and they're forgiving and prolific. Like, if you just get in a regular oregano plant growing, the amount of holistic, medicinal, uh, naturopathic benefits in this plant for you to just be having it every day, throwing it in your raw juices, using it, seasoning your food, eating it off its, off its stalk for no reason, boiling tea with it. You know, all those things, you, all those benefits you could be getting 
medicinal, preventive, uh, immune boosting, supplemental values that you can get from these plants without having to like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go harvest a crop of food. Um, herb, a herb garden alone could just start you off. You just have an herb garden where you plant nothing but perennials, and they come back every year, and all you do is just go outside and you have a, a patch of herbs each year, along with your with the stuff that you can forage. Well, thank you, Oski. Thank you for being a positive influence on me. As you know, I have begun gardening. Just like being a millionaire, you don't go from poor to millionaire. There's a lot of steps in between. And so I appreciate you helping me to get started on the steps to gardening. And it's, my, it's my pleasure and duty, and I'm learning as well. So We're all together. on the growing journey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning you. more every day. I'm not my, gra- my grandfather. My grandfather came up here, and he's a master farmer. You know, he came up here. I was 100 years old. Looked at this ground and said, nothing can grow up here. It's horrible. <laughs> Straight up. That's what I got to deal with out here. My grandfather looked at this earth around us and said, this is, this, is, this is ridiculous. Nothing can grow up here. Okay? So <laughs> just to let you know that. And this is an agricultural state. Right. So you know what I mean? That this goes to show you that it's just every environment is different. You know, if you may be a master in this environment, you go to a different environment, you, you, you have to learn again. I hear you. And and just for those who are listening, if you don't know, the state we're talking about is Georgia. And there's Georgia. the very famous Georgia clay, which has right. nutrients in it, but right. it doesn't support everything. You really right. have to it's, work it's with right. the soil. It's, it's good nutrients, but it's very dense and clay-like and no roots will survive in it. It's You have to make your soil out of it and use that nutrient content in your soil. Well, thank you, Oski, and thank you to your grandfather and to all of those in your family that taught you how to grow so you can share your knowledge with us. All right. Give thanks. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast. Also, look for us on YouTube and at plantsforlife.com. Plants for Life. Plant-based lifestyles and ancient nutritional treatment strategies. Plants for Life. The ideas presented in this podcast are meant for general informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. The Plants for Life podcast and Plants for Life LLC and all affiliate subsidiaries disclaim any liability for any damages arising out of reliance on the information presented. Please consult licensed professionals for any medical, legal, or business advice.